Well, we had a, a good number of visitors here this morning. Miss Sandy said, I guess we had 51 in the 11 o'clock service, so we thank the Lord for that. And uh, I've learned a long time ago, uh, my, my joy or contentment, satisfaction in preaching from Sunday to Sunday is not dependent upon the number of people in the auditorium. <laughs> If it was dependent on that, I'd have ups and downs like a pastor, like you wouldn't believe. But uh, but there is an excitement there, it seems like, when there's uh, more folks here. And, and not because uh, we want to pat ourselves on the back and say we've got a larger uh, f- group of folks here, but uh, the message is I, I want more people to hear them. And my desire is to hear, uh, have people... Uh, be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we can get more of them to hear the Word of God, it, uh, I think, makes a big difference. And uh, so thank the Lord for just a good day, sweet spirit. And ladies, uh, again, I, I don't know how y'all do it, but every week it seems like it just gets better and better down there at the, the luncheon. And I was telling somebody at my table today, uh, you know, I used to just go get the old cold uh, leftover rotisserie chickens and man since y'all took over doing that there hadn't been a week yet that i've not liked everything there so it's been good i put on probably about 50 pounds maybe not quite that much but evangelistically speaking probably that all right second timothy chapter two and we won't be very long today second timothy chapter two and um I want to deal with the topic today, uh, how we should respond to criticism, how we should respond to criticism. I'm from down south, and <clears throat> down there they used to teach us that you can say anything you want to about somebody as long as you end it with bless their heart. And, uh, you know, you can, boy, that, that fellow over there, he sure is ugly, bless his heart, you know, that makes it okay. And if you're talking to somebody you know and you're being critical of them, you can really cover your bases if you say, I love you, but then say it and then follow it with, bless your heart. And, uh, boy, you're really covered then. And, um, but, you know, uh, criticism, I think it was Winston Churchill made a statement one time about criticism. He said, nobody likes it, but we do need it. It brings to light things that sometimes we're not aware of. And... Uh, I'm afraid sometimes when it comes to criticism, we become so defensive of it that we fail to benefit from it. Uh, the Bible teaches that there's different ways to handle it, and there's different types of criticism. There's criticism from friends, and there's criticism from enemies. And I believe that we handle really uh, both of them pretty much the same way in Scripture. And uh, we'll look at some of that today you know, through uh, several passages so keep your Bibles handy. Second Timothy chapter number 2. <clears throat> we'll begin reading in verse number... Uh, I'm going to start in verse number 1, then we're going to move down to verse... Go all the way down through verse 4. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness... As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Father, we pray that you'll bless uh, the next few moments as we look into your word. 
uh, for an area of conduct that sometimes is neglected, sometimes we are not fully conscious or, or we certainly don't keep it at the forefront of our awareness of how we should respond, how we should react, how, should we, how we should conduct ourselves when criticism is given. And so, Father, I pray that you would help to guide and instruct us and teach us how to be able to glorify you through our response. And uh, may we rightly divide your word and understand it clearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We find two different references here in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 where Paul is mentioning to Timothy that he needs to be strong. Um, he says it in verse number 1, and then, of course, he talks in verse number 3 about enduring hardness. And the implication that Paul makes here is that the, 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 the possibility of opposition, the possibility of hardness coming, is a foregone conclusion. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it does happen. This is how you should respond to it. And uh, he talks about this is in verse number 1 very clearly. He says, uh, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And can I tell you this, that uh, the easiest way to describe our response is it ought to be a graceful response. A response that is full of grace. And uh, if you think about that phrase and that statement, we have to understand what grace is. And grace is unmerited favor, favor that's not deserved. Uh, often... Oftentimes, and I've shared this before in our church, um, oftentimes my kids, one of my three kids will come to me and they'll say, boy, Dad, I'm just really having a bad day. This person just, you wouldn't believe what they did to me. And uh, Jonathan, are you back there? What do I tell you all to do when somebody does that? Buy them a candy bar. <laughs> Buy them a candy bar. You know, the quickest way to get rid of an enemy is make them your friend. Um Buy them a candy bar. There are some passages in Scripture that teach us this. Now, I'm, I will say this. There are times, and you can read them in the book of Psalms a lot, where David prays for the judgment and the chastening and the punishment of the enemies of God. Um, he asks to be delivered from the attacks of the enemies uh, that he had. However, we get to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew, and he teaches very clearly uh, the fact that we're to be of a humble spirit and how we're to react. And uh, if, a, if a person compels us to go a mile, we go with them twain. If the person demands your, your coat, give them your cloak also. Uh, if one man strikes you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. And there's, there's quite a few teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ that go contrary to what the world's philosophy is. Um, you know, I, I grew up and uh, the, stay, the saying we had as young men uh, when we would uh, give each other a hard time, maybe we'd pull a practical joke or punch, them, punch somebody when they weren't looking or something. Uh, we'd tell each other, hey, I don't get even, I get ahead, you know, and, and I'm going to get you back and it's going to be worse than you got me is the idea. And that really is the mindset of the world, isn't it? And if we're not careful, as God's people, we're going to claim the name of Christ. We're going to tell people, yes, I, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a Christian. And then by our conduct, when we're criticized and how we respond to it, people look at us and say, well, if that's Christianity, I, you know, you're no different than the world is. There's got to be something different there. So Paul tells Timothy that he's supposed to endure hardness. 
He's supposed to be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you and I, I think God expects very clearly, I think in Scripture it teaches this, that we are to express God's grace to the extent that we have received God's grace. Uh, Peter asked that. He said, how often should we forgive? Seven times? And Jesus' answer was what? Seventy times seven, wasn't it? Uh, he was saying the grace should be inexhaustible. So how do we respond? You know, I've heard Christians say, well, you know, hey, I'll, I'll forgive them the first time and the second time, but you know what the, they say, preacher, you know, three strikes and you're out. Well, this isn't baseball. This is Christianity. And it's a little different than that. God's grace, I'm thankful, is not a three-strike-and-you're-out rule. I'm thankful that His grace is, is continuous, that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I'm thankful that He doesn't give up on me every day. As I get to the end of the day and I look back at all the things that I failed Him in, if God was to give three strikes and we're out, I, I would have to be lost within the first hour of being awake each day. It's just amazing to me His grace, and that's the grace He expects us to have. So I want to give you seven things this afternoon. We're going to be, uh, they're not lengthy things, and some of them are, are common sense. Some of them you'll be like, well, that goes without saying, and it should, but we need to be reminded sometimes. Others may be things that we may not have thought about. And uh, so we're going to look at several of them. The first thing we ought always to do in any situation that is a, a difficult situation or hardship, uh, the first thing we ought to do, and I've preached this for many, many years, is we need to go to God in prayer. For some reason, as God's people, uh, it, is our, it is our inclination, it is our, our habit, it seems like, to try to deal with the problem ourselves first, and then if we can't solve it, then we go to God and say, God, can you help me out of this fix I'm in? And we make it kind of the last thing we do and the last resort. Uh, I've said this so often before, I don't like when somebody uh, is going through a difficult time and... And I say, well, brother or sister, I'll be praying for you. I wish I could do more. I don't like that statement. I've caught myself saying it. Because the truth is, we cannot do anything greater than pray for somebody. And uh, so the first thing we ought to do is go to God in prayer. And I want to mention two areas that we ought to go to God in prayer for. Number one, we ought to be praying for the person who offended us. The one who's, who's uh, doing the affliction. That's hard to do. You know, the Bible tells us that we're to pray for them which despitefully use us. That is one of the hardest things, I don't know about you, that is one of the hardest things I have to do. When somebody does me wrong to pray in such a way that I'm asking God to help them. Uh, and so we need to be praying for that. The second thing we ought to be praying for is for God to help us respond with grace. For God to help us to respond with grace. Because I don't know about you, but we are prone to reacting rather than acting. We are prone to doing a uh, habitual response, just a, an involuntary response. And we need to pause. We need to hit that pause button before the blood gets to the top of our head and boils over. Uh, we need to hit the pause button and go pray. I was counseling a young married couple here just a few months ago, and they were de dealing with some anger issues in their marriage. And uh, I mentioned the fact, I said, next time that happens, and I put, the, I put the burden on the husband, I said, because you're the spiritual leader of the home, 
when, it, when the argument begins, I said, both of you stop. Stop it right there. And, and I told the husband, I said, you tell the wife, uh, wait just a minute. We can argue in a moment, but before we do, let's pray. They haven't had an argument any of the times that they've prayed. But they have had some since then that they didn't pray over. Um, because it's kind of difficult to react in the flesh when you take the time to pray and ask God to help you act in the Spirit. So we ought to pray for the person that's doing the afflicting. And by the way, we find ourselves, I've heard people even, even recently, even God's people, we're not, in a, we're not in a situation in our country that we're happy with. There's no doubt about it. But we still are supposed to pray for our leaders. We're still supposed to pray for God to get a hold of their hearts, to help them to lead rightly and justly. And boy, that's hard to do, isn't it, sometimes? As much as we're disappointed in some things, that's hard for us to do. But it is something that the Bible teaches we as God's people ought to do. Look with me in Isaiah chapter number, or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. And uh, we'll look in verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now that phrase just simply means God vividly knows and understands the feelings of our infirmities. He's not untouched by them. He's not to the point where he sits off in heaven somewhere and says, well, you humans, you all really ought to respond differently and he doesn't know how we feel. He does know how we feel. Notice it says this, but was in all points, not some, and in all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. This great high priest that we have. There's not an infirmity that we have that God is not intimately familiar with how we feel. Then he says, let us therefore, with that thought in mind, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find what? Grace to help. In time of need. So when we come to the Lord in prayer, we ask Him to help us respond with grace. That's one of the biggest things that we as humans lack, is grace. Even Jesus told the parable of the rich man who <clears throat> had a servant that owed him a small sum, or a great sum. And he forgave him that debt, didn't he? But then that servant had a servant who owed a small sum. And that servant had a hard time showing the same grace that the Master did, didn't he? You know, that, that is so vividly pictures how generous God's grace is to us, and yet how stingy it seems like sometimes our grace is to others. When you pray, somebody criticizes us. I had, a number of years ago, uh, I was coaching basketball. and How many of you know who Bobby Knight is? Any of you know who Bobby Knight is? Some of you do. Indiana basketball coach for a number of years. He was noted for what? Anybody know? He'd get mad. He had a temper. I've seen him throw chairs out on the basketball court in the middle of a game, walk out there and grab the basketball from the players and stop the game. And uh, he was ejected from probably more games than any other college coach I know. And I used to coach when I was younger. And uh, 
I had that sort of temperament. Maybe not quite as bad as, as Bobby Knight. But I would, get, I would get red in the face, and I'd be hollering, and I'd be spitting and spewing and pacing up and down. And after one in particular game, a precious, dear, dear deacon came to me. He said, uh, hey, Greg, can I see you in your office? And I went in the office, and he sat down, and he said, my wife and I were sitting across the gym and watching you coach. And he said, do you really think that that was a really Christ-like spirit that you exhibited coaching over there tonight? And man, I wanted to crawl under my desk. Didn't like it. Boy, man, my, my first reaction was, ooh, who's this guy I think he is? You know, I just came out of a heated basketball game. It was close. And, and then I paused. To this day, that guy is a dear friend of mine. And after I got over the initial, I can't stand the fact that he said this to me, the second thought I had was, but he's right. And I thanked him and we prayed together, shook hands, and I said, I'll do better. And I'm going to tell you something, that was hard to swallow. Nobody likes criticism. Nobody likes it. I, me, the least of any of you. I just wanted to lash out and choke this fellow. You know, who does he think he is criticizing me? But that was certainly not with it was certainly not with grace the way I was acting or responding. Criticism is needful. Sometimes we don't realize where we're going. If it's an enemy that's just out to hurt us, even then the Bible says that we're to overcome evil with what? More evil. <laughs> We overcome evil with hatred. We come overcome evil with vengeance. We overcome evil with judgment. No. Getting even, paying back. Surely it's got to be one of those. Come on, help me out here. We overcome evil with what? Yeah. Do good to them that despitefully use you. So whether it is by constructive criticism or by enemy's criticism, the very first thing we ought to do is pray for them. And pray for grace for us, that we can respond with grace. Number two, we need to rest in God's purpose. We need to rest in God's purpose. Look with me, if you will, in Isaiah chapter number 55. <clears throat> and verse number... Uh, let's go to verse number six. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly, what? Pardon. For my thoughts are not, what? Your thoughts. Neither are my, your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. I have numerous times in my life gone through difficulties and trials that people brought on me. And while I was going through them, I was saying, Lord, why? I remember one night uh, getting a <clears throat> getting attacked by a fellow just viciously on uh, online. He posted a three or four page letter online, sent it all over Facebook. Why he, he hated me and why he was leaving our church. And um, I, that morning, I had been through some real battles, and I, I went 
early, early in the morning to the church, about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I walked around on the property and I said, Lord, I just need some relief. I said, I've been under a great deal of burden and stress and problems. I said, I just, and this was the word I used. I said, I just need some encouragement. And a few hours later, this man posted this letter. <laughs> it went all over the world. And I went to bed that night lower than I have been ever, I think, in my life. And I said, Lord, this is not what I meant by encouragement. It just isn't. The next morning, I started getting phone calls from all over the world. I had people from Japan calling me. Brother, we're praying for you. Just want to let you know we love you. And over the next three or four days, I had more encouragement than you could imagine. Now, it was not the way I would have liked to have had the encouragement come. But God had a purpose, didn't He? And even in that scathing letter of criticism, God had a purpose in it that was for my good. Can I tell you this? We need to learn to trust in God's purpose. You say, is every one of those going to work that way? I don't know. They may not. But we need to trust that God has a purpose in mind. Look for it. Number uh, three. Number three. <clears throat> Psalm 119 and verse number 71. Psalm 119, verse number 71. The psalmist says this, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy what? Thy statutes. Think about this for a minute. We're sitting here this afternoon looking into God's Word and learning how we're supposed to deal with criticism because we get criticized. So the psalmist said, It's good for me that I'm afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. Number, number three, find the growth, the spiritual growth, in the affliction. Find the spiritual growth in the affliction. It's going to be there somewhere. If you don't know what it is when it happens, go to God's Word. I promise you'll learn something. You will learn something through it. Learn. Learn. Find the growth in the affliction. The psalmist said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That's a peculiar statement, unless you add the last part of it. That I might learn thy statutes. Number four. We're moving quickly through this. Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. And we'll begin in verse number 38. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 38. Ye have heard... Now, anytime you see that phrase, that usually means probably from the world. <laughs> Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And by the way, that is kind of the world's philosophy, isn't it? You do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. I've heard people say, uh, even my own kids, I uh, get on to them about retaliating, and they're like, but Dad, you don't know what they did to me. Well, that's an eye for an eye. That's trading evil for evil. Look what he says. But I say unto you, verse number 39, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn, in, turn to him the other also. You say, but Brother Greg, you don't understand. Don't take it up with me. This isn't my rule. Go ahead and argue with God about it. That's what he wrote. 
And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, give him thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Number four, don't retaliate. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Don't retaliate. We don't render evil for evil. We don't render evil for evil. You ever tried to have a one-sided argument? Kind of hard to do, isn't it? You know, one of the greatest strengths there is to a Christian is knowing to walk away from a situation where your tendency is to stand there and argue the point. Number five. Let's look in Second Corinthians chapter number nine. Second Corinthians chapter number nine. And let's look in verse number uh, eight. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace, what's the next word? Abound toward you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse number 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number 5. How do we respond when criticism or affliction comes our way? We grow in grace. We grow in grace. When you get to the place where you feel like you don't have enough grace to respond appropriately, then you need to grow in grace. You say, how do you do that? James tells us. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore God saith, he resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the what? Humble. You say, well, I just really want to get them. Not if we humble ourselves. If we humble ourselves, the grace will come. The retaliation won't take place. That brings us to our sixth point. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Philippians chapter number 2 is a wonderful passage about letting this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. We've quoted it many times. He says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. What happened when the Lord was led to Calvary? Did he call the legions of angels down to deliver him? What happened when Peter tried to defend him in the Garden of Gethsemane? He took his sword lopped the soldier's ear off. Jesus told him put it away, didn't he? Why? Because Jesus knew humility. He knew humility. Years ago, Lester Roloff went to preach for Dr. Bobby Robertson, who's pastoring the Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina. And uh, he and Brother Roloff were dear friends. They joked around, cut up with each other. You know how we do sometimes, and we use a lot of, uh, of uh, sarcasm You know when we joke a lot of times. And it's okay between friends, I think. There's nothing wrong with that, I don't believe, but... Brother uh, Robertson was getting ready to introduce him from the pulpit. There was probably a couple thousand people in the auditorium, and Brother Roloff was sitting over here on the platform, and he got through introducing who he was and gave a little bit of his background and, and biography about him. And Then finally he turned and he said, Come on up here, you old reprobate, and preach for us. And Brother Bobby said before he got back to his seat, God had smote his heart. The next day he was driving Brother Roloff to the airport, and he said, Brother Roloff, I owe you an apology. He said, I uh, 
you're one of the dearest friends that I have. And he said, I would never do anything to hurt you. He said, when I introduced you last night, I did not intend for that to be a hurtful statement. And Brother Roloff responded in a way that I, only Brother Roloff could do. He said, Brother Bobby, if it hurt me, then that's my problem, not yours. He said, because you can't hurt a dead man. And I'm supposed to have died to self. Can I tell you this? When somebody criticizes us, you can't hurt a dead man. And if we humble ourselves the way that the Bible says we're to humble ourselves, we're to die to self. The Bible talks about, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and bring all manner of accusation against you. That's a blessed person. Now we can rejoice in it. Praise the Lord, I got criticized today. I'm a blessed person. We may not respond quite like that, but we need to have some humility in it. We need to have some humility in it. Number seven, probably one of the most important points. Proverbs chapter number 27. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number six. Faithful are the wounds of a what? Friend. Can I tell you this? Don't quit. You know how many times somebody tries to be helpful to us and they offer criticism, whether constructive or otherwise. Their intent is to try to be a help. And I don't know how many times I've watched Christians quit church, quit God. They quit doing everything, saying, well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites down at that church. Well, they're just, and you wouldn't believe what Susie said about me. I mean, and by the way, be careful what we say about each other, even in jest. Especially if you're posting it on Facebook, you don't always get the connotation in text that you get in person. But can I say this? Don't let criticism cause you to quit. Don't let it cause you to quit. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You say, well, you know, that person, they're supposed to be a brother in Christ, and boy, you can't believe what they said to me. They're a brother in Christ, though. And I'm not going to let that cause me to quit for the cause of Christ. I, I, I believe one of the great, great regrets that some people will have when they get to heaven is that they quit on God for such a small reason as being criticized. How do we respond to criticism? How do we respond to affliction? The Bible teaches it should be with grace. All of these fit under that category. We can simplify it by saying with grace. But we break it down and we say, okay, in these specific areas, how do I respond? And I hope this will help us. I really do. I've seen so many Christians get uh, dejected. Some of them have quit. Some of them have dropped by the wayside. Some of them have quit walking with God simply because somebody hurt them by criticizing them. We need to be careful not to criticize, but when they do criticize us or we hear criticism about ourselves, let's respond according to the Bible. Let's learn to be gracious with it. And I hope that will be a help to us, all right? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. 
And Lord, these afternoon times where we get to just teach some simple principles are so needful in the day that we live. Or just some things that we really ought to know, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of them. Sometimes we just need to look, our, look at the verses again and see them with our eyes. Realize that there is a gracious way to respond. A way that is Christ-honoring, a way that brings glory to you through our conduct. And so, Father, help us to learn from these things. Help us to respond appropriately. And then, Father, I pray that you'd help us to have our hearts drawn closer to you. Lord, this week has been a wonderful week, being around your people and laboring together in in the common need here at the church. Lord, the sweetness and the spirit that has been uh, given here and portrayed here, and what a joy it has been. Lord, I pray that you would just help that spirit and that love for you and the love for one another to continue to just grow and deepen. With each passing day, may you draw us closer to you. Dismiss us now with your blessings. Help us to keep the thoughts and, and messages upon our minds, the truths that we've learned throughout this day. May we meditate upon them and put them into practice in our lives as we go through this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.